0: Welcome to the Sisters Stories podcast. This podcast's aim is to marvel at God's sovereignty over each of our lives as women, and to encourage one another by sharing our stories. My name is Sophie, and today I am joined by Anne. Hello. Hello, Anne. And um, so, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about who you are?
1: Well, I'm. My name is Anne. As I've said, I'm retired, and I'm single. I have a younger brother and lovely sister-in-law who live locally, two nieces and a nephew and two great-nephews, but they all count me as very much part of the family and involve me in all their activities.
0: That's great, thank you. Um, So we're going to be talking about uh, your journey to faith and and your life uh, with the Lord Jesus. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to trust uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes.
1: My parents were Christians and very active in the Lord's work and the Lord was very much the centre of our home life. My brother and I were told Bible stories and we prayed together as a family and then for my fifth birthday I was given a Bible which I still have. It was the authorised version, the only translation available at that time in English and as soon as I could read I was also given a scripture union card which had a suggested Bible reading for each day of the year and I was encouraged to have a little quiet time on my own reading the Bible and praying. I knew all about becoming a Christian but it was when I was seven and a half that I actually asked Jesus to forgive me for the naughty things that I'd done and to be my saviour. I'm not sure what triggered that uh, decision, but it might have been the impact the Magic Lantern presentation of Pilgrim's Progress that I saw at the local church about that time. Mm. I told my mother of my decision when she came to say goodnight to me that night. She was delighted, left the room and came back a few minutes later with a little card called a decision card. We talked about the words on it and what they meant. They were Believing that I am a sinner and that Jesus died for my sins, I here and now accept him by faith as my Saviour and Lord. She left me with the card to think about it and to sign the next day if I wanted to. When I showed her the card in the morning, She was surprised to see that I'd put two dates. Well, I explained, I gave my heart to Jesus on the 17th of March, but today's date is the 18th. The Bible passage on my Scripture Union card for that day was from John 20, when Jesus appeared to Thomas after the resurrection. I clearly remember reading these words, Blessed are they that have not seen me and yet have believed. And thinking, why? That's me. I haven't seen Jesus, but I've believed. And since that time, I've rarely missed a day reading the Bible and seeking to apply it to my life.
0: Mm. That's I'm I'm amazed to hear this, Anne. That's really encouraging to see that. At such a young age, you, you made that commitment yes. and that you still have a tangible. Yes, I've got
1: the card. Yeah, I've exactly.
0: Yes, that, yeah. that's just amazing. Um, right. So, can you tell us a little bit? Um, obviously, at that time you were in school, um, how did you find uh, this time? Uh, what were some of the challenges? Or, um, yes. yeah, what was your life like, really? Yes. <laughs>
1: um, I wasn't able to actually go to school until oh. I was five and a half. It was the war, the oh, war yes, of World course. War Two.
2: Mm.
1: It disrupted, disrupted my years at primary school. Mm. And uh, when I was able to go at five and a half, I would go off in the morning with my uh, gas mask over my shoulder and a rug over my arm. Long air raid uh, shelters had been dug in the school field one for each class. Mm. And whenever the siren sounded, we were marched down to them, and there we stayed until the all-clear went. But air raids weren't the only disruption to education. Mm. At that time, there was no vaccination for, um, for measles, mumps, or rubella. Mm. These were common childhood illnesses and accounted for many absences. And some of the children were also evacuated during the war years to the country or even to Canada. But I didn't want to be evaporated, as I told my mother. (laughs) Looking back, my main recollection was of the fun that we had during those years. My parents managed to shield us from the horrors of war. My father was in the fire service and any distressing tales he may have uh, recounted to my mother were not within earshot of us children. Mm. On my mother's dressing table was a plaque with the words, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Mm. This promise enabled her to keep calm and carry on. Although our house didn't receive a direct hit from a bomb, it was damaged from the blast of one that fell on the nearby swimming pool. The swimming pool was used as a reservoir for water for the fire engines. The windows of our house were blown out, scattering glass over our beds, and through my bedroom ceiling I could see the sky. Part of the roof had gone But amazingly, none of us were cut or hurt in any way. Mm. Truly, God had been our refuge. Mm. Although we had an Anderson shelter in the garden, we slept in it as little as possible, but we certainly needed to for a while after that experience. Mm. Life carried on and seemed normal to us children. There were other children living in the road, and they were in and out of our house and garden to play, always welcome. My mother started a midweek Key class for them, telling them Bible stories. And she also took opportunities to spend time chatting to the neighbours. And in fact, several of them came to faith in the Lord as a result. I joined the Brownies and enjoyed earning badges. And I also became a member of the Junior Red Cross, learning first aid and how to bandage wounds. Mm. And at last, VE Day came. Victory in Europe. The war was over. Street parties were held, and bunting was flying. Everybody was cheering. My secondary education would soon be beginning. At that time, children had two opportunities to sit an entrance exam for the grammar school. You took one when you were ten and one when you were eleven. I didn't pass at the first attempt. And as you had to leave your primary school at the beginning of the term that you became eleven, I had to go to the local secondary school for a term before going to the grammar school in September. For various reasons, this particular term was not the happiest of my life.
2: Mm.
1: When I started at Tiffin's, my mother gave me a book in which she had inscribed Proverbs 3, verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I soon had a circle of friends, and I tried to witness to them, In my early teens I made a public confession of my faith by being baptised and I invited my friends and neighbours to come to it. Soon after that I accepted responsibility for teaching a small group of children in the Sunday school and in order to equip myself for this I took a correspondence course offered by the Scripture Union to teachers who wanted to teach in Sunday schools but I was concerned that there was no Christian union at Tiffin's at the time. I think I was probably in the fourth form when I plucked up the courage to ask if I could start one. Permission was given and a group of us met regularly. A member of staff usually came when I invited an outside speaker, but I think we were left to get on with it when we met for prayer and Bible study on our own.
0: Mm, wow. I'm, I'm just amazed because I run the current Christian Union in Tiffin. Right. So <laughs> this is, yeah, this is the very beginning of the Christian yes. Union, isn't yes. it? Yes, That's amazing. That's amazing. Sorry. Um. Great. And so um, can you tell us a little bit about what you did after school and what choices you made for your career as well?
1: Yes. The verse that I was given when I went to Tiffin's, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths, was a verse that became very precious to me. I knew God had a plan for my life, but I didn't yet know the direction he wanted me to go with regard to a career. Mm. I was very much torn between nursing and teaching. I'd enjoyed being in the Red Cross. I'd also enjoyed teaching in the Sunday School. Was it nursing or was it teaching that was God's will for me? At that time, the school-leaving age was 15, but those going to a grammar school were expected to stay on at least until they were 16 to get a certificate of education. My year was the first year that O-levels were introduced. You had to have had your 16th birthday to sit them, and I was all right, but it ruled out a number of girls in my year who weren't 16 and they chose to leave rather than repeat the year. It was intended that O-levels would lead to A-levels two years later. But at that time, Tiffin's also offered a year, a one-year pre-nursing course in Physiology, Anatomy and Hygiene. I decided to take that course And then I spent a year as a nursery assistant in an infant school. And those two experiences confirmed to me that teaching and teaching of young children was the direction that the Lord wanted me to take.
2: Mm.
1: I was offered a place at Avery Hill Teacher Training College. It was the largest women's college at the time. So I purchased a second-hand trunk Booked Carter Patterson to take my luggage to my new abode and started a two-year course. Of necessity, the timetable was very full. As students, we lived in halls of residence and had lectures all day and were expected to study in our rooms from seven to nine of an evening. Food was still rationed, so we had to hand over our ration books and meals were prepared and cooked for us. The bedrooms and facilities were spartan, very different from what students expect today.
2: Mm.
1: There were also restrictions on our comings and goings, probably because we didn't come of age until we were 21, and therefore the college had responsibility for us. I'd met a few of the students the summer before I started at Avery Hill, because a friend who was already at college invited me to join them in London for the Queen's coronation. We spent a cold night sitting on the pavement, but it was worth it to see the carriage going by with the Queen sitting in it. At college, I specialised in early years, nursery and infant, and took divinity as my main subject. It was especially thrilling to be part of an active Christian union and to link up with a local church, enjoying the hospitality offered by different members there. During my second year, I was president of the Christian union, and it was the year that Billy Graham held his Wembley crusade we took the opportunity to organise coaches to take students to it and in spite of the pouring rain and having to sit back sorry having to sit on stone steps a number of students went forward to commit their lives to christ and we followed them up back at college with discipleship classes my days at college were drawing to a close But where did God want me to teach? During the 1950s, there was a resurgence of interest in missionary work and a desire to take the gospel to other lands. Communication with the missionaries was mainly limited to airmail letters. And when they came home on furlough, they'd be asked to give a report to their local church. Or perhaps at a venue like Central Hall Westminster. This building could hold about two and a half thousand people. At some of the meetings I went to, every seat was taken and people were even sitting on the steps. One day I was reading my Bible portion for the day and praying about my future. And the reading was in Isaiah 6. And the verse that really challenged me was God's question to Isaiah. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? I couldn't give Isaiah's reply. Here am I, send me. I was interested in missionary work, but for others, not for me. And it was ages before I could eventually say, not my will, but thine be done. I don't know whether it was weeks or months, but it seemed ages. God graciously accepted my willingness that he be Lord and he have the decision. And then he spoke to me again through my Bible reading. This time it was in the book of Ezekiel. You were not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the House of Israel. I took it he had work for me to do in this country and in a language I could understand. I applied to my local education authority and was accepted and my first teaching appointment was in a school in Chessington.
0: Wow, Wow, it's amazing to hear how the word of God's guided you yes, through that. And yes, very definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Oh, that's great. So, it was in my daily yes.
1: reading. It wasn't I opened mm. my Bible and picked out verses that no, suited me. Yeah. It was just in my regular daily Bible reading.
0: Yeah, I think it's quite tempted to, tempting to just open the Bible and, yes. and find a random verse. But yes. as you say, that's clearly something that God used to yes. point you in the direction yes. he wanted you to go. So that's that's really encouraging, yes. actually. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what did you find was um, a joy in the teaching, uh, or what was a challenge as well in that in that position? What did you find? Th- yes. Find. Well,
1: I love teaching. Mm. Um, I regarded it as a service to the Lord, mm. and I was conscientious in carrying out that. But I also undertook uh, work with the church. Mm. I took a Bible class, and I became a girl covenanter. That involved a weeknight activity and opportunity for competitions with other groups, as well as the class on Sundays. And then during the school summer holidays, I would spend a week helping at a church youth camp before going on holiday with friends. So there was teaching going on during the day, which I loved, Mm. and then other activities of an evening. However, it was not long before I realised why the Lord had guided me to come home. Both my parents were diagnosed with cancer Mm. and they were in and out of hospital and so very much appreciated me being available to care for them. My father died first at the age of 60 Mm. and my mother two years later when she was 60. And for the last five months of her life, I needed to take unpaid leave of absence to care for her.
2: Mm.
1: Well, the Lord certainly used my interest in nursing over those years. And he was my strength when I felt utterly exhausted. He sustained me with his word during the dark periods, bringing Mm. out various promises to my mind. Mm. And he used my brother and sister-in-law and Christian friends to give practical support and encouragement, but after my mother's death, I returned to school. I went to the school I'd been teaching at for a while, and I thoroughly enjoyed it there. But I was also asking God, "What next?" Hmm. A few years before, uh, before my parents became ill, one school inspector, and. The other, a Christian friend, who was involved in education, they'd both indicated that I should consider applying for headships. Mm. This idea had gone on hold while I was caring for my parents, but when a post was advertised for head of the infant department in a local primary school, I applied and was offered the post. I gained valuable experience there, but after, after being there for several years, I started applying for headships. Mm. And although I applied for many, they came to nothing. Mm. And I began to wonder if I was mistaken in thinking that this was the direction the Lord wanted me to go. And then, surprise, I was appointed the headship of the school I had gone to as a child. In the intervening years the infants had been separated from the juniors and housed in a new building at the other end of the playing field my first year there was fine but education has a way of changing course abruptly and without warning there was a proposal that schools that had once been primary and then separated into two secondary sorry into two separate schools mm should be amalgamated again and become a primary. Although as heads we were given prior warning, the information had to be kept under wraps from staff and parents until it became official. I was at that school for three years before the amalgamation and then for a period I I was moved into the inspector's office to work until another vacancy was available less than half a term later at another infant school and I was appointed there as the head. But again, there's a similar thing happened. (laughs) After three years, the schools were amalgamated.
2: Mm.
1: I was appointed to a very large infant school that was too large to consider amalgamating Mm. and I remained there for uh, another six years So that was 12 years of headship. And at that time, there were still more changes being um, mooted. I was also finding it very difficult to get about the school because I was needing knee replacements. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and So I applied for early retirement and this was granted. Mm -hmm. I'd like to think that I was appointed to those schools because the Lord trusted me to be able to bring calm to three difficult situations, mm. situations that were worrying for the staff that were of concern for the parents, and also to provide stability for the children during those their years years at school that couldn 't be repeated, but it also certainly gave me opportunities to witness to my faith both by, by my word and by my attitude.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that your Christian influence in yes. these schools must yes. have been quite a comfort to, yes. to the people. Yes. I know as a teacher, when there's a change, it feels like a very big thing. Yes. And I can't imagine as the heads to have to take that yes. face on and not be able to tell anyone at first as well. Yes. It must have been quite challenging. And then
1: they didn't know who was going to be appointed to mm. the headship. Yeah. Yes, it was. it was <laughs> a very difficult time for them. And you mm. can't couldn't really plan for the future because no. the future wasn't in your hands. Yes. You had to, had to take over.
0: Yeah, yes. which is when, I mean, in any circumstance, we need to just trust God. Yes. But I think it's yes. even more plain when yes. we see that nothing is certain, as as you're mm-hmm. saying, and in education especially. Yeah. Yes. Great. Yes. Um, can you tell us briefly about how you found your retirement and where you got onto yes.
1: Retirement was a long time ago
0: now.
1: It was, over, it was 32 years this year. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and I, as, as I retired, I thought, well, what will retirement hold for me? Mm. Well, it held two knee replacements. Mm. It was, gave me time to resume old hobbies, to take up new ones, and also an opportunity to travel and enjoy wonderful holidays and spectacular scenery. All that was certainly true, but in Psalm 48 we're told, God will be our guide even to the end. And I wasn't at the end yet, so I realised I needed to look to him for his direction at yet another turn in the road. Mm -hmm. I was praying about it and thinking of some of the elderly folk I knew. They were the singles, Mm -hmm. the widows, particularly those who had no children, those who were with failing health. Some were getting to the point where they needed to go into um, long-term care or hospital or had to sell their homes. Mm. And as I was praying about these people, the Lord directed my attention to Isaiah 46. You whom I have upheld since you were conceived... And have carried since your birth, even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. And although I took this as God's promise to me for the future, I realized it also applied to all these elderly folk that I knew now. <laughs> I've been thinking about. Maybe God wanted me to be involved with him in that caring. He did. And over the years, I've been able to get alongside a number of elderly ladies, fortunately not all of them at one time, (laughs) giving practical help and encouraging them in the Lord. Mm. As I look back, preparing for the podcast has given me the opportunity to look back over the key points in my life and to reflect on the Lord's faithfulness, the way he's used his word to guide me in the decisions that had to be made. The road has wound through many sunny meadows and at times dark valleys, yet the Lord has always been there, leading me on, encouraging me to keep going. I love the Living Bible paraphrase of Psalm 25, verse 10. When we obey him, every path he guides us on is fragrant with his loving kindness and truth.
2: Hmm.
1: Although I can't see what the future holds, God can. And as Corrie ten Boom once said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful quote. Um, I wanted to finish, Anne, if she can give um, a little bit of advice, maybe to younger single Christians uh, in the church. Mm. Um, I'm sure they would find that really useful.
1: Yes. Um, God has a plan for each of our lives. Mm. I do believe that. And I think for most people, it does include marriage, mm. but it didn't seem to be for me. And it that doesn't necessarily be at the usual sort of 20s, 30s age.
2: Mm. One of
1: the friends I went on holiday with each year after we'd been helping at a camp didn't get married till she was 40. Mm. So don't give up hope. <laughs> <laughs> but although um, it's wonderful to see husbands and wives in a happy and fulfilled marriage, children brought up to love the Lord. As a teacher and as a head, I've also seen examples of marriages that were not like that. Mm. Grass isn't always greener on the other side of the fence. Yes. Um, Many of my friends married, but there were fewer opportunities to meet men when I was in my teens and 20s. School and college tended to be single sex. Mm. And although the uh, the war was over when I went to college, the young men of 18 were still being grafted in for national service for two Mm. years. Then they had to do their training, university or whatever, when they finished that. Mm. So uh, the opportunity to meet Christian young men was limited, either to people in your own church or on Christian holidays and conferences. So I would say to singles, take the opportunity to go to Christian conferences, go on Christian holidays. Mm. It gives you a wider circle of people to meet, yes. people who are of a, a like mind. Get involved with families, even though mm. you're single. I know it's been meant a lot to me to have a brother and sister-in-law who really involved me Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to have the children take them out. They sometimes came to stay. I was able to join in all their festivals, everything. It was, it was lovely. It's like having your own family. So yes. keep in touch with other people. Um, one of the blessings I had was to have my own home. I was able to stay on in the homes I'd lived mm-hmm. in. And I'd been able to have people to stay for shorter or longer periods people coming to work in the area or convalescing after operations. So think of what you've got and use it to serve the Lord. Mm. Um, Give thanks for the circle of friends that you've got and things that you can do with. Singles who Mm. um, aren't limited by being tied to to families. Mm. And I would say to singles, eat sensibly, (laughs) get enough rest and guard your thoughts don't dwell on, if only. Thank the Lord for the blessings he's given you, the things that you can do that your married sisters can't, and let God change you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will for you really is. That's Romans 12 in the New Living (laughs) Translation.
0: thank you so much Anne and this advice I'm sure is I mean it's something all of us need to hear in various ways isn't it because we all are discontented with so many different things in our lives Uh, but we always need to go back to the Lord and trust in him really Um, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today I feel very privileged Um, it was such a privilege to hear it Um, so um, that's it for this episode of Sister Stories everyone but join us again next time